This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical, a show exploring the world inside and outside the evangelical subculture. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. I have a return guest today, Lenny Duncan, who is the author of several books, and we are talking about their most recent book, Psalms of My People, a story of black liberation as told by hip-hop. I've, I always enjoy uh, talking to Lenny about their books, and this conversation is no exception. We'll get right into it. This is another uh, part of my new series of author interviews that I'm calling The Good Books, which you should be able to subscribe to separately here in the near future. In the meantime, uh, please note that uh, Lenny did have a mobile connection when we talked, and I have tried to clean up the audio as best as possible, uh, and but just bear that in mind as, as you are listening. It is a great conversation, and that really doesn't impact any of uh, any of that at all. If you want to help support the show, you can go over to postevangelicalpost.com and sign up for a free or paid subscription at $5 a month or $50 a year. You will receive ad-free podcast feeds and additional content here and there. That site is currently being hosted by Substack, uh, and as many listeners may know, it has been the point of controversy for the last couple of months and honestly for the last couple of years i am considering options to move away but please be patient with me as this is not something that i can do frivolously or necessarily very quickly there is uh, there is cost associated with this type of move that i am considering but you can go find all of that over at postevangelicalpost.com and if i do move to another provider well uh, you shouldn't really notice on the back end, but currently it is on Substack, and I'll be using that until I can find a suitable replacement. You can also follow me over on threads at brchastain underscore, and the same on TikTok, even though I don't currently post that much over there. All right, let's get right to it. All right. My guest today is Lenny Duncan. They are the author of several books, and their most recent is Psalms of My People, a story of black liberation as told by hip-hop. Lenny, welcome back to the show, and welcome to The Good Books. Hey, thank you so much for having me uh, uh, back again uh, and uh, to talk about some of my work. I really appreciate it, I think. Um, I think there was a time where I took it for granted, opportunity to talk about my work, so I'm always grateful for it. Thank you. Of course, of course. I always enjoy your books. I always enjoy the the challenge they represent to the reader. And this one, you know, I'm a I'm a white boy from small town Indiana. <laughs> you've written a, <laughs> you've written a book about you've written a book about hip hop. 
and yeah, hip hop reached me in the in a lot of ways. But um, before we talk about hip hop, I do want to talk about music more broadly. You've, yeah, you've, absolutely. Yeah, you've also run a podcast about fish called Blackberry Jams, and back in 2021, uh, I listened to you DJ a silent disco set at Wild Goose. Uh, and clearly music moves you. So let's start. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about I music mean, that, that speaks to you? Yeah. I mean, when I, you know, when I was houseless and I was like, well, you know, even back up before I was like 13, 14 years old, you know, my father, uh, Leonard Duncan senior, who's like no longer with us. Um, you know, he really, he struggled, man. You know, um, I am diagnosed with neurodiversity, uh, um, and you know, with with many traits of autism. Certainly, uh, are diagnosed by several doctors with ADHD, um, and had experienced trauma in my life. But I was really kind of given a set of skills and ways to. Uh, to like transmute that stuff and to like reason my way around it. And, you know, my father, he couldn't read or write, you know, my whole life. And, um, and, you know, he had this kid, he just didn't understand, you know, um, who could read books at like mm. three years old and they would buy an encyclopedia set for, him. and I would run through the whole encyclopedia set or they would, you know, he, he didn't know how to relate to me, but music was a thing. You know, music was a way that he could convey how he felt about the world, about politics, about my mom, um, about our family. And so, you know, like Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes grew up with that, you know, um, you know, that song Wake Up Everybody, that's like real famous. Uh, I grew up with the spinners, grew up with the stylistics. And then I, and then I had cousins. Uh, like my cousin Nicole Duncan Smith, who uh, worked at Def Jam and was Russell Simmons' assistant when I was like real young. Oh um, wow! Yeah, and, and and other people in my life where music just sort of took this this way. I, I realized at, at a very very young age that adults could express themselves with music in ways that they seem to be incapable of. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, because the world had taken that from them. You know. But music mm -hmm. seemed to be a great unifier. So, you know, in my house, I mean, the record player and the record collection and when you were old enough to add a record to it, you know what I mean? And listen to it was a big deal. Later on, when I was houseless, you know, I ended up on a Grateful Dead tour and then some Fish tour and then that jam band scene. And that was, uh, if you were living an anti-capitalist lifestyle in the 90s, there weren't a lot of places to go, but that was one of the buckets you could fall into to kind of like, you know, get by. And, you know, even there, just the stunning power of music to drive people towards revolution, to drive people towards spirituality. Um, you know, uh, 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 you know, I, I think evangelicalism could ask, you know, if, if you're someone who enjoys the evangelical church, you, you could ask yourself, do you like, all right, like, is it the Holy Spirit or is that just a G to a C chord? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, it's, yeah like, yeah like, no. right like his music has a way to move us and 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 so 
Yeah, music's always been a big part of my thing. I never had any skill for instruments. And so uh, I've always, you know, just uh, been a big fan. Um, and at one point for public radio, I did a podcast for PRX um, uh, about fish. And in fact, I think this week, Vermont Public Radio is rebroadcasting uh, an episode we did with them about fish that we ran on the podcast. And yeah, so brave little state i love that little podcast but um <laughs> but you know like yeah it's just been a big part of everything i think very early on in my more i don't want to say hopeful and i don't want to say naive but certainly in less experienced days i thought music had the power to change everything you know um i thought if you threw the right party much like probably the people at Woodstock, you wouldn't have to fire a shot and you could change the world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm less mm -hmm. convinced of that today, you know? Right, yeah. Though it still definitely has that motivational power you're talking about. Like oh, that, that can't, yeah. that can't be denied. Oh, so oh. You, you decided, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say no. I mean, it can't, you know? Um, it that, that that's it like you know it, it there's something in, in in ephemeral and 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 unknowable behind music and how the same lyrics mm -hmm. can mean the same thing to 12 different people god there's something so beautiful right that, right yeah absolutely and i mean have you ever seen any of those old videos that or i don't know how old they are at this point but they resurface every once in a while on social media where it's uh, someone, uh, an elderly person, where they put on some music from their youth and then they come alive in a in oh, this yeah. way that, uh, that isn't, that isn't, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify like <laughs> the, the depth at which a lot of those musical memories stay with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even as a pastor, one of the more amazing things that I would do visits with the elderly or people who were in like early stage dementia or even late stage dementia in some cases, more mm -hmm. than people remember their their hymns. You, you yeah. sang a hymn with them; they knew every word. Absolutely, they knew every word. Yeah, they even knew the third yeah. lyric. I never knew. I'd be like, "What the hell lyric is this?" <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So it's yeah, a, music has this it's power. It has this power, absolutely. And so yeah, I've, I've been real. Uh, I've been real. Um, I, I've been real fascinated with it since I was a kid. I, 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 yeah. I really, you know, it's it's a big part of my cosmology, I guess. Nice. So you decided to write this book that's all about hip hop and and what it's what it's meant to you, uh, and. I'm curious, how did you go about, uh, uh, your chapters are by and large structured based on certain songs. Um, so how did you, how did you go about selecting these songs as the ones that you wanted to write about in this way? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to make sure that if like, this was a mixtape, uh, cause like this letter is kind of like a love note to little Lenny. And like, like, what would twelve or thirteen year old little Letty, if they had access to maybe look a few years into the future, mm -hmm. and during the golden age of hip hop, like, 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 what songs would they pick? Well, it would be very Jay Z heavy. Uh, it would have been Kanye heavy. It would have been. Uh, 
it, 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 it would have been it would have been common heavy it would have been um it, it would have been most death heavy who's now called Yasin Bay um you know and 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 then from the west coast perspective you know at the time as a kid that's why it's volume one as a kid you know it would have been like my west coast world wasn't much bigger than nwa and tupac right and so i really tried to stay true to mm -hmm. what i would have considered like if someone was like give me the top 10 lists or top 13 hip-hop songs you've heard you know what what would a younger lenny would have said so I, I i structured it that way um and also i wanted some you know there there were easier songs i could have done um you know um songs that more spoke to the to, 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 to some of the uh, scriptural illusions I'm making but I, they didn't mm. ring true you know I wanted songs that would also kind of challenge me right that would have been hard to write about right, so right. you know and you I mentioned mean yeah go ahead sorry you were you were on oh no that's it that's that. it that's it that was just me saying you know I mean that's, that's just Philly shit man <laughs> that's just how we talk that's like that's like that's like how 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 if you talk to a Philadelphian, the words that's crazy can mean ninety different things. Like that's crazy <laughs> can mean conversation done. I'm really interested. Don't bring it up no more. Say word. Mm -hmm. Let's go get them. But yeah. yeah anyway, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. What was your question, Blake? No, you mentioned you mentioned scripture and uh uh and in, in your description there, and you also. Uh, early on talk about treating hip-hop like living scripture um so i i mean that that's uh you know for for those of us that come out of christianity whether it's evangelicalism or some other flavor you know sometimes the con sometimes our our relationship with scripture changes over our lives uh but what is it about treating music and hip hop in particular, like a like a form of living scripture to pull to pull from. Yeah, you know, during the pandemic, I got really obsessed with uh, this talk that James Baldwin gave, and it's called "The Struggle for the Artist." I think I've talked about it on the show before, or "Struggle for the Artist's Integrity." And uh, you know, uh, there's a thing he says, he says, this is, I opened the book with this. He says, this is a time when something is awful happening, when something is awful is happening to a civilization, when it ceases to produce poets, and what is even more crucial, when it ceases in any way, whatever, to believe in the report that only poets can make. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I've been obsessed with that idea of like, okay, well, if, if the only reason we know about the Oedipus complex is because of a poet, thousands of years ago and not Freud um, if the only reason we know of what it's like uh, for us to get here and get to be human beings it has been the poet then who are the poets of my time and and then when I thought about hip-hop and hip-hop artists because obviously that's it uh, I thought about what if I gave them the same hermeneutical treatment what if I gave it some of the same theological imagination? What if I just took five or six lines and, and built whole theological, ontological, and cosmological structures around them? 
and and what would come from it. And and I didn't want to do a book that was didactic. There are better books that are didactic um, that that do this work. Some some obvious ones that that come to my mind are uh, um, are uh, uh, that, I, that I think I even bring up in the book are are have. Um, that, that have been done that that deal with women in hip hop that deal with some of the some of the uh, academic nature of of hip hop and 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 what it means. I mean, even if we just look at uh, 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 you know Gilroy's The Black Atlantic and go from there, there's been lots of academic work about how music is the way that you can identify the diasporic people. Um, who live all over the world now as a result of colonialism and chattel slavery and this sort of culture that crosses borders and crosses continents. And, and, and so I thought a lot about what, you know, what, what, when people think of like what it means to be black and in North America around the world and, and what, you know, and, and what is the report that people have paid the most attention to it's been hip hop. And so um, I wanted to write a love letter to hip hop and I'm not sure how I did. <laughs> it's, it's basically <laughs> the bottom line and the, and the, uh, and the publisher really let me do it. The publisher really said, well, what if we treated this like sacred scripture? And really I kind of wanted to create a black cultural artifact. It's like when you get the book, it's got all kinds of great art in it. It's got um, a lot of allusions to esoteric or uh, more spiritual uh, kind of things. I, I talk about everything in here from the Cabillion, which is a alchemist handbook, to Ifa, to the Book of Enoch, to you know the King James Bible, right? And mm-hmm. It's trying to make sense of my world. Uh, and the music that's affected it, you know, um, and and so I I don't know if you've ever read Be Here Now, but I you know I was very inspired by by Albert's work or Rob Doss, Richard Albert or, or Rob Doss, um, as he calls himself, and uh, and and really wanted to create something that just seemed like it was, you know, you you're, not, you're really not sure what it is when you get your hands on. Right. And you're not sure if you should explore more into it or if you should just let it float over the top of your consciousness or if, if I'm saying something serious or if I'm not. It's uh, I, 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 and, and, you know, my prose is okay sometimes. In other places, it's great. Right. It's my first attempt at poetry, too. So it's, it, there's a lot in it, I guess. I'm getting a little rambly. Sorry. No, no, no. That's, that's all right. I mean, that's it, it is a, I I really pre- I really enjoyed the text. I mean, it, it does touch on so many different things, um, and uses a lot of different methods and 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 uh, and styles to do so. Um, but it it was definitely very engaging. I I know the thing that that I do uh, when there's when there's a book like this uh, that has a framing structure like like songs. Like I tried to throw on the song whenever I was reading the chapter, hell um, yeah, and and put it on repeat while um, while listening to it. And uh, you know the the interesting thing about the the one thing about uh, that 
I think your text does is it, it wrestles in a lot of cases with what what it meant when it came out when the song yeah. dropped and then what how how it's changed since then and how even what we think about the artist has changed because this day and age uh, you know i mean let's not you, you know i think i think we're we're this whole you know cancel versus woke or whatever type of nomenclature is is a bit tired at this point but but we know more about the artists that make our work than we ever have before um but you don't shy away from that and i think that's such a that that was such a forthright way to approach it you know instead of trying to contextualize everything it's just like well you're writing this in 2023 in 2022 whenever you're putting these words down um uh, but but you do that with the knowledge that these people who who wrote this changed and that starts in like the first song with nwa uh yeah you know uh and then who and like what's changed for the people that that have that sang that song and what it meant back then versus what it might mean now yeah, I mean, I think at one point, uh, I think I'm referring to Ice Cube and I call him your hotep uncle at a barbecue, right? And it's, for those of you who don't know who a hotep is, a hotep is someone who constantly has, uh, constantly has, they, they're very Afrocentric and they're very into setting about their people, but they don't really cite their sources. So they're like our version of like, of like QAnon people, but they're like black people. <laughs> Right, but they're like QAnon about like black shit, so they're like, <laughs> like it's really odd. Like it's just like you're like you're like with them. They're like, yeah, we need a proper revolution. You're like, yeah, and we need a revolution for everyone. You're like, yeah, and they're like, and by everyone I mean black cis men. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> and, and they'll say like ADOS is a great example of this adult descendants of slaves. These cats were all over the uprisings, but this is a conservative group that wants to cut out any sort of pan-African diasporic revolutionary movement and focus on American citizens who are proper citizens so they could receive reparations. This is a very conservative view. Very conservative view. And there's all of these cats who are like that. And so, yeah, it's weird that Ice Cube, who was this cutting-edge badass, all of a sudden is doing these family fucking films. He's, like, showing up at the Trump White House. My man, you know what I'm saying? Like, my man has a whole plan to save black. Remember that in 2020 while we were locked up? Ice Cube and Trump got together and made a plan to save black people. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that shit viscerally. I was like, damn, not him too. This pandemic's getting everyone. This fucking sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like it, that, this shit was vicious. This shit was vicious. And, and so, yeah, it's hard. It's, yo, it's hard. And, and, and you can't get away from the fact that, like, as a Black trans person, most of the material that I'm writing about is actually very dangerous to me. It is full of misogynoir, which is uh, different than misogyny. Misogynoir is what's aimed directly at Black femmes, Black women, and Black mm -hmm. female identifying people, or Black, or, or, or black people with women's bodies, um, or anything in between, right? Who are on that femme scale, right? Anywhere in that entire beautiful fucking uh, 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 fucking matrix of love and beauty and showing up in the world, right? Like, they're, they're, you know, this material, much like, and I think I talk about this in the book, 
the reason I choose this material is because it's just like scripture. Many queer, progressive, and trans, and beautiful bodied, and, and loving, and fucking uh, coupled up, or throppled up, or quadrupled up people deal mm -hmm. with sacred scripture that is dangerous to them. And they have to go out on right. pulpits, and they have to go out and write about, and they have to defend a God that 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 many of the materials are the way they've been used or traditionally are toxic to them and so i i, I hip-hop has that you can't deny it right the same way that i love fuck the police i i i don't forget who are the dudes who made it <laughs> you know like and so right, i think right. there's a lot of that you know there's a lot of that and i think it goes back to what you were talking about about the the popular uh, uh culture and nomaculture culture around woke versus fucking cancer uh, you know what? Really shitty people make incredible art and really incredible people sometimes make really shitty art and all kinds of flavors in between. And and and, and because of this access we have to artists, right? Uh, our, our, our views of them change. And so like, yeah, I'm, I go hard on people you'd never expect me to go hard on and I go super easy on people that you want me to go hard on in the book. Yeah, and let's let's actually just skip or well, let's let's jump to that. Let's follow that that thread. Yes, yeah. because one of the ones that 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 you talk about is Kanye, and like yeah, and we've all we've all sort of seen how he's struggled in in the public eye with both mental illness and then like even with that knowledge that whatever knowledge we have of of. Uh, of of whatever mental illness he's facing, like he says troubling things too, uh, yeah. and but and like at the same time, you know, graduation slaps, <laughs> like yo, like I, <laughs> like I mean, uh, like I, I'm not a huge, I'm not, I don't follow a ton of rap, but like whenever that came out and it was like he 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 amped Chicago, I'm I remain a Chicago booster, you know, and. And uh, some of that album is amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And it's sort of sad that I that I feel conflicted to listen to it now. But but you you contextualize that and you say, well, he's this is this is what happened to him when he he got success and and it corrupted him in a, in a way that that yeah speak to it and <laughs> sorry yeah, i'm, I'm yeah. rambling at this point <laughs> no 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 i'm glad no i'm glad that you that you that you that, that you got the point of the chapter in fact i'll read a little bit of it that, yeah that, go right that'll, ahead that, that'll help people so this is from chapter seven it's called the tragedy of saint kanye jesus walks away so the line that it each 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 chapter there's a couple lines from the song and then and there's just my poetry and my writing so the line i use is we have war we at war with terrorism, racism, but most of all, we at war with ourselves. Kanye West, Jesus Walk. Uh, I know what you want here. I know what he deserves. I don't do postmortems in front of a live studio audience. That's why I quit the church. I can feel the bloodlust rise in some of you as you read even this line and slowly realize this will not be this story, this book, this newer testament. You want me to pause this chapter to rip that fucking sell out the shreds. Psalm, scripture, music, literature, humanity is full of stories of tragedy. In this story, 
about who we are based off sounds that showed our worlds. Kanye will be Ophelia out in the limb. And we will divest from the divisive war that white supremacy has left us all in. Kanye West is what happens to the black artists under the white gaze. He's been hollowed out. Kanye has left the building in the same way Legion has left the building. A perverse exorcism where we watch the white gaze ripped Kanye out. The hordes of a hundred lies and twisting of reality enter his shell. And Kanye is also like the artist that Baldwin talks about, the one who finally realizes his suffering is insignificant unless he uses it to connect to other suffering. The universality of human suffering is often the artist's first breakthrough into what humanity can really offer this misfit, this alien, this traveler from afar. Kanye was no different. Tired of being the one who made the molecular structure of the song, the Def Jam payment plan system in which producers and others find themselves relegated to poverty in the long run, Mr. West wanted to say something. Never trust a backpack rapper with a Gucci bag. Never trust a backpack rapper with an empty backpack. And it kind of goes on from there, but yeah, I mean, Kanye is really this case of what happens to the Black artists under the white game, right? I mean, we know you're beautiful. And in Black culture, like, and I, I, I was really trying to capture this, like, my grandmother, when I would, like, have some accomplishment, she would say something like, well, baby, we've always seen you. And, and, and I think there's this, there's this idea that when you get whatever fame is, and I have no idea as a neurodiverse person what my impact is, I'll often get in a lot of trouble on social media, in my personal life, I mean, it's caused problems in my, you know, my former marriage because I don't know my reach, either how big or how little it is, right? And I over or underestimate what I'm going to be able to do. And, and nothing has changed about me. Like, I'm, I'm fundamentally the same person. It's just that white people have noticed me. I used to write poetry mm. in, 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 in the Fillmore District for... For, for change on the corner when I was houseless in San Francisco, I used to sit there for a little typewriter and I'd write you a poem for money to eat. But now white people have noticed me. So it's different. Uh, I'm different. I've changed under the gaze of it. And, and I think a lot of black artists, and I talk about this later on, is that that shit felt good. If I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get on... Like it, it would be like wild as shit to me to pretend that that when the great Leviathan notices me, when the white gaze notices me in this country, when publishers notice me, I'm doing some stuff right now. Uh, I'm writing a, a a big story for Meow and I'm a story consultant. And there's going to be a big immersive experience, and I put a big part of it. So be right. Like when it, I, I love that shit. We love to be in the gaze of it. And, 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 and the weird thing is it feels like the world is looking at you, I say in the book, but it's really just white people finally noticing you. And by white people, I mean money and white culture, not necessarily all white people. And it... Yeah, I'm tracking. It's, a, it's, it's fucking intoxicating, man. What is intoxicating when you're finally seen? And it is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it is warping. And it, it could break you. And, and, and really, Kanye is a case of it. Um, where someone was seen so much that the observer effect has changed them into a 
into a, a parody of who they are. I mean, this is the man who said, we are at war. We are at war with racism, terrorism, but mostly we are at war with ourselves. This is that same dude who laid that truth that you were like, damn. It ain't even about, like, the terrorists. It's not even about fucking the racism. It's about what's happening in the, in the everyday struggle of every person that causes these realities to be real. This is, you know, over these realities to be manifest in our world. This is fucking huge stuff for, like, what was it, 2008? 2009? This is fucking yeah. heady stuff for hip hop, you know? And then we see him yeah. years later on and a he's da- on a, a dance line. track. <laughs> on a dance track. He's got people screaming the name <laughs> of Jesus Christ in the club at 3 a.m. I remember church girls putting their hands up, everybody hitting the floor. Right? And if, and, 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 if, and if the goal is just to have, if you're a Christian, the goal is just to have the name of Jesus be relevant in each age. Well, there you go. And then he wears a White Lives Matter shirt. You know? Yeah, how does this yeah. guy how does this guy go from the guy who says George Bush is doesn't care about black people and leaves Mike Myers hanging in a motherfucker a lot to Like Yeah, that know? was such a wild moment. Oh, it was my that's one of my favorite TV moments. That and that shit he did to Taylor Swift too. I listen. <laughs> I listen, I, I don't have anything against her music. I mean, she's a Nashville product, and I'm not even mad at her about that. Lots of people are Nashville products. Some of my favorite artists, Willie Nelson, born and raised in that Nashville cosmopolitan sound and wanted to do something dirty, but he played that stuff for 20 years. You know, so I, I don't have a problem with that. But it is kind of funny he walks into <laughs> more with like, oh, that shit belongs to Beyonce. Because that's what we were all thinking. We were all thinking, damn, she didn't win because it was just like this white <laughs> megastar versus this black megastar. He just said what we were thinking and just went up there and did that shit. You know, I, I love shit like that. I mean, Kanye's been good for moments like that, but that's all because we had looked at him so long that he had become warped and he assumed that that was all acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're just as responsible yeah. for, Mr. And then, for Mr. Wilson's fall as him. Yeah, there's this... Uh... Have you seen any of these clips? It's literally just been in the last couple of days of this interview between Shannon Sharp and Cat Williams. Yo, um, yo, being, it's being uh, it's being sliced up on uh, on social media and shared like on TikTok and and shit. But don't anyways, ever they, talk shit uh, Kat, to Cat Williams. That's the lesson. If there's a lesson to be taken <laughs> from this, Cat Williams remembers well, every wait, he, rotten thing you've ever done. And don't ever talk shit about it publicly. That's that's the end of this. He had he had a he had a uh, a comment uh, about Kanye because Sharp asked him, uh, and he said, "We all knew he was mentally ill, and we're not grading him on a curve." Which that's right. Like I saw that I saw that clip, and I read your chapter like within the same same time time span. It was like some people are seeing what 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 occurred here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and we give that we give that space to other artists, right? We there are white artists that we've watched. I mean, Sinead O'Connor, we watched sort of have these moments that we knew something else was going on, but we also knew what she mm-hmm. was saying was important and her music was important. And 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 we lionized her. In the end, I don't know if we'll do the same to Kanye. 
Mm, yeah. And that's kind of sad. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about how success can often change an artist. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that there's like at, at least two things that, that you're highly suspicious of in the book. The first is what we've been talking about, which is what recognition and celebrity and that type of success does to an artist. And then also, to a degree, what respectability does. And you focus on another on another song, um, Made in America, which is Jay-Z and Kanye. And you turn yeah. that song that is, in a lot of ways, supposed to be this celebration of having made it in America. And you really flip it on its head and turn it into almost using using the Psalms metaphor into a, a lamentable, a psalm of, of lamentation. So yeah. what, yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about how you approach that song. And, and because you also don't shy away from from talking about well, there's this revolutionary aspect of, of hip hop, and then there's the business aspect, which is uh, tied up in something else. Yeah, you know, I mean, for one thing, I love Jay Z. If Jay Z ever hears anything I ever say about him, he needs to hear I love him. So, <laughs> and the reason I love <laughs> the reason I love Jay Z is because I went to Marcy as a kid, not to hang out, but like to visit cousins. But I was scared as shit. I was, listen, I know Marcy Projects back in the day. I know what the style was like back in the day, Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn. And there is like this, there is like this almost P.T. Barnum aura around Jay-Z where it's like, you can hustle. You can take that hustle money. You can buy some studio time. And then you might start a billion dollar industry based off of who you are i mean there is this in jay-z's story there is this real strong all-american and it really is all american people are like when he started as a drug dealer i mean i don't know what you know about american history but selling intoxicants <laughs> to people is about as it's it's almost as, as american as as as, as land displacement you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's up there, Fab <laughs> Look at the Coca Cola. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, and so and so. I mean, there is that. But I grew up in Philly, and you know, we have the Made in America Festival. It's it's the biggest festival that probably happens in Philly every year. Happens right downtown. It's pretty amazing to see that many black people all in the same place. All those black artists on the stage. And that song made in America, you know, it, 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 it excuse me, it has these, um, it has these incredible lines that are like, you know, that, 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 that speak to 
to to black history in this way that that it would be hard to ignore like you know sweet king martin sweet queen coretto sweet brother malcolm sweet queen betty sweet mother mary sweet father joseph sweet jesus who made it in america but were really manufactured in america um black people were brought here as as property as equity um, most uh, southern landed gentry used black people as as um collateral for most of their business endeavors um there are several major corporations senators we know this um uh, I mean, even Trinity Wall Street, which every progressive wants to run to for five bucks, ask him how they got that money. You won't like it. And 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 so we know that black people are a product. And, and so what is that product? Right. And what does it mean to be manufactured in America? What does it mean to make it in America? Um, and at some point, I think it becomes a nightmare. I think at some point the American dream becomes a nightmare for black people. Especially, you know, I think about, you know, what it must be like to 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 rise to such heights that you can actually see the bars of your page. Um and there has to be some of that with Jay. There has to be some of that with Kanye. And then there, you know, and, and then you can't get away from the fact that Jay-Z becomes the first, one of our first hustler billionaires. And, you know, during the pandemic, my man, I mean, I'm not saying it's a cryptocurrency scam, but a lot of other people did. Right? Um, and right, other things yeah. that Jay's done over the years, right? That, 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 that makes you think like, well, well, what is the value of the success? What, what's the value of making it in America? You may say, well, a billion dollars softens the fall. Yeah, you're right. So it's 250,000. So there's a million. So there's 14 million. Uh, you know, so does, I think he's worth somewhere roughly around a couple billion now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure his life is a lot easier than mine. But, you know, it always comes down to like what this guy once told me in this houseless shelter I was in because I was always bitching about money. They didn't have anything right. And I was always complaining I didn't have with other people. Oh, he just looked at me one day and he says, Len, do you know how much money is enough money? I said, how much? He said, just enough not to rely on God. And, and there is something different about people who have enough money not to rely on God. Who don't have to hold their little financial butthole puckered at least once a year. There's something different about them. They move different. They walk different. And, and we know these people when we come across them. And some of them carry themselves in certain ways. Um, and Jay carries himself in this very big way that is, it makes him at once uh, my hero. I think Jay-Z in a lot of ways is what Malcolm was for people in 64. I think he, I think Jay represents some of the best and some of the, and, and, and some of the more problematic uh, parts of black manhood, you know, and, and what you can do who you can be starting from absolutely fucking nothing um but i think there's a there's this lie inherent in it that it's almost like the lottery you know what i mean it's the same thing that trump sells to white people right well as long as trump's a millionaire i could be a millionaire right 
And I think it's mm-hmm. the same thing with Jay. He sells the same thing to black artists, and that's not the case anymore. Um, you know, he got popular at a very particular time in a very particular place, almost like Motown. And I'm not sure music's in that place right now. You know what I'm saying? Particularly hip hop music. Right. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, the... it keeps the dream going where you're like, oh, I can make it too. I don't know. I think the system's pretty fucking rigged against you. And one guy out of a couple, out of 32 million, got fucking lucky. So you have a one in 32 million chance of being mm-hmm. Jay Z. That's, you know, and maybe you like those odds. Those are better than the Powerball. I mean, and and mm-hmm. and that's the thing too. Like you know, as a writer and as an artist, you make your luck. Yes, you do get lucky. Yes, the right person hears your stuff. Yes, the right editor reads it. Yes, the right audition. Yes, the right production company. But you also put in a ton of work and a ton of preparation, so that luck would be real, mm-hmm. right? And so there's that too. I think my man. I think my man put in the work and the dedication. So when his time came, he was ready. So I, you know, but yeah, yeah, I struggle with it, man. But you know, you ask me now to put on uh, uh, any hip hop artist to explain what hip hop is to someone as a Philadelphia kid. If it's not the roots, it would probably be a Jay Z album. It'd probably be a Reasonable Doubt. I'd probably get Jay Z, mm, Reasonable yeah. Doubt, and be like, "This is the album you need to listen to. This is how this this is hip hop." Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those those tensions are there, and it's better to address them than than pretend they're not there. You know, you can't like, pretend that he's not and, a billionaire. Uh, Billionaires shouldn't exist. He he's become something different. So I mean, right. yeah. I you do not <laughs> like. Do you know how many? If you if you made a hundred, I think I just saw a thing. If you made like, I think it was like a hundred dollars a second. It would take you a thousand years to earn. A billion dollars to put yeah, it in perspective just, for you. It's like insane. It's an insane it's, amount of money. It's insane. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it like the fact and to your point earlier, just even about the the economics of somebody making that again, like uh you know, all the main megastars that are still around are the people that that hit the scene and got big like in like 2010 like yeah like those are the those are the megastars like try to try to think of a new megastar before streaming before like these are these are still pre-streaming people jay-z taylor swift yeah all that stuff why do people why do people go to fish i mean fish did a huge thing in new york where they read they redid their album from 19 well, it's their original album they wrote like in the 80s called uh, Game Hinge. But they performed basically all of Game Hinge, which is something they did in 1994. It was 30 years later. And, t- and Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. was fucking packed. Packed. And that's where the money is. You know, you make money touring. Right. And if you, and if, and if you can't pack them in, right, you're not going to make any money off the streaming stuff. This is not going to happen for you. So, yeah, it's a different world yeah. for the hip-hop artists nowadays too, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's just yeah, to just think thinking about the economic systems and that's not necessarily been the focus of our conversation, but I mean that it's there and it's present in hip hop and in every other type of popular music. It's just 
it's it's right there to to be seen. They're not necessarily hiding it. Nah, like, they're like this shit's oppressive. You want some? <laughs> they don't care. Like, Sign up. You're like, oh, yeah. okay. You're gonna take advantage of me, okay? I mean, because what else are you gonna do <laughs> as a, as a black artist? Yeah. Well, how how else are you gonna be seen? And that's the thing too, like. You know, like lately, you know, we were talking before before we got on the air about like writing projects and stuff we're working on. That's why I'm trying to get in the writer's rooms. That's why I just want to be in the back somewhere. That's why I, I that's why that's my preference now. I'd rather be on big, ginormous group creative pro- projects. I'd rather be writing for Netflix. I'd rather be, uh, and no one know my name. And I'm just the person who writes up the stupid backstories for all the stupid sci-fi stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'd rather be part of a writing team or a writing group and, 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 and not have to face the, so much of the, uh, the, the, the gauntlet of the artist is the art and the art is the artist. Um, Mm -hmm. that has been probably the most damaging thing for me as an artist right um and and yeah long yeah, gone because... are the days where you could just live on your art you know what i mean like you can't people need to know you now they have to know who you are they don't buy it yeah they don't they don't sign up for your Substack or your patreon or whatever they don't yeah they it's, uh, yeah it's tough. absolutely yeah yeah and i mean and the like the hard thing is is that that for a lot of artists, the thing you're documenting is how you change, <laughs> and yeah. like people don't necessarily—they don't want to see you change. They, you know, like the thing that makes the algorithm, you know, uh, churn your stuff and and put you in front of people. Like they want the same thing. <laughs> yeah, do over it again. and over do it again, again with different, yeah, <laughs> with different variations. Yeah, I mean the leak from my first book, Dear Church, which was definitely a much more um, it was definitely Christian apologetics, and it was certainly, as much as people thought it was harsh on the progressive church, it was very defensive of the of the place of the progressive mainline church and keeping, in particular, um, uh, the liberal arts and the ability for people to reason and think with literature alive, right? Like, that's something we lost the capacity for people to actually read the constitution sit and think about in context understand what it means and act appropriately these are all skills that are lost now really the mainline church was the one of the few places where people in america you can't you're not allowed to reason without faith i, I don't know why you're just not allowed to and it was one of the few people where people who had who, who had a pretty decent uh sense of reasoning ended up you know, and, but, you know, you, you go to my next book, you know, which is uh, United States of Grace, and you can already see the wheels falling off. If, if you're reading between the lines, I'm, I'm very done with the church. And by the time Dear Revolutionaries come, I've already, like, quit and, bl- and blew it all up, you know. And people don't like that shit. <laughs> I lost a lot of followers on the way. Yeah, <laughs> then, but you, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it's I, I mean I'm, I followed you through those books, you know I, I, like it's it's a 
it's a loose connection, but like you, you share a lot from your life, like in your yeah. books and your social, you know, like all that, all that stuff. And that's the, that's the part about, about art. Like, and I think you wrestle with it in this, in this book with, with the artists that you admire, with the hip hop artists you admire there, they change. some of them changed in ways you, you don't vibe with. Like, yeah, uh, at all. but, yeah. but it was, but it was, it still meant something, you know, it all, it all still, the, the record they left behind is still there. And yeah. then they leave, leave behind the next thing. Uh, so yeah, Ed, like that's, you I mean, just talk about creative challenges of that actually the challenges of being a creative, you know, of, of putting something out, the risk that that involves to begin with. And then oh, thank you the for fact saying that all over time, like, really like, this is like the fourth book. We have to be the third book we've talked about every time you fucking yeah. get it, man. Every time you get it, like you read. <laughs> You really, a lot of people bring me on their podcasts and I can tell they haven't even, they, they've not done the homework. They have not done the homework and they get me to talk about my book. And then like halfway through, they're like, you can see the shock in some of their eyes. Cause you know, you, you just you do a lot of this shit on video now. And so right, <laughs> yeah. like, they're like, they're like, you can see the look in their eyes. They're like, fuck, I didn't know the book was about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but right. Man, well, really, I mean, that, that was a big thing in this book. You know, I'm 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 unsure if I want to write another book after this. I am right. I am I am really unsure, and I have a whole other pitch and a whole other book that I I've been kind of working on. That's like my, you know, my baby, and something that's like I'm not sure where I'll sell it. I'm not sure if I ever want to really tell the story. And 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 I think a lot of what comes through in Psalms is, um. I'm not sure if I want to do this again. I think I even say it in the epilogue. <laughs> like, I'm not sure I'm going to do this <laughs> yeah. again. Well, I mean, it, uh, it's, I, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's well, a lot it's of work to work. write a book. And you might not survive it, right? Like the you you are when you enter the process is not the you you are when you're done writing it. If you're oh honest. yeah, and and the rate of the rate of change internally and externally is just accelerating so fast. Like, yeah, like, like it, if I am going to tie it to social, to social media, which I will for a second, like starting in 20, whether you go 2010 with the Edward Spring, 2014 with Ferguson yeah. Uh, yeah. and wherever you start, like, yeah, how, that, how if would you, you if you were, the impact? yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just, it accelerated everything, it accelerated how much we knew about each other, mm-hmm. uh, like, um, and then, then if you follow people and you let them, let them change you, <laughs> then like you're gonna change too, and like and sometimes, for for my book, that I spent two years writing, the like I initially pitched it as the end of evangelical hegemony, and I was off. I was wrong, and by the time yeah. I was done with the, you know, because because it was it was too simple. It was saying, you know, they, they don't have, they don't control the narrative like they used to, but they control of a hell of a lot more <laughs> than just, right. than just how we talk. So, so, you know, like I had to change that from, from, from jump, you know, to yeah. where I started to where, to where it ended. And like that, that's just, that's, 
it's it's hard actually to that's why i ad, i admire and enjoy talking to authors because they spend a long long time thinking about something and can put it put it down and that represents a lot of thought <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and that that deserves to be considered <laughs> because mm. like to do that in this day and age is is an undertaking because otherwise we're just skimming the surface trying to survive <laughs> yeah i mean or just pumping out newsletters you know um you know i'm I'm a member of the of the national writers union and uh and uh, i got that because i wrote so many nonfiction books in so many years about you know yeah uh relevant topics or whatever so they gave me a press pass and all that shit and 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 there is a there is there are several ways we can tell stories, but we don't tell stories like we used to. I mean, Hunter S. Thompson would go spend weeks somewhere. Uh, Tom Wolf would immerse himself in a group, and by the time he came out of it, you weren't sure who the fuck he was. And, you know, and yeah, and and people were allowed to investigate things with a sense of curiosity. But I think having not necessarily the right answer. But answers at your fingertip has limited our sense of social imagination with one another. And, and writers kind of hold a place for that. Um, and I'm not sure. Uh, not, I know it's not going anywhere. I, you know, we're, we're like toddlers and now we're finally in first grade, right? And so we're learning like not to look yeah, at the yeah, phone yeah. more than once a day, right? And we're, and we're learning more and more <laughs> not to trust everything we see on social media and we're learning about right. algorithms and we're learning about all of these things that in the parlance was not the everyday parlance of the average American, you know? Um, no, not at all. And so I yeah. think that no, is I... really, really helpful stuff. I, I, I think we're maturing with these new tools, but yeah, it's fucking scary. It's scary that, you know, I'm, you know, me and my wife had a very ugly divorce and I know that she consistently says things about me on social media and I know they're consistently not based on what's really happened. Right. And like, how do I talk about that in a way that doesn't seem like I'm punching down? And how do I address the fact that for two years mm. I've been this person very publicly talking about our very ugly divorce? And how do I hold their heart tenderly? How do I make sure that they're okay? Right? How? Because anytime I say anything, it's like an onslaught towards them. And people who think they're helping me are very mean to them. I don't want that. Right. Even though I don't agree with what they're doing to me. Right? And so, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really weird how 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 close people are. The third most Google thing about me is Lenny Duncan, white question mark. Why? Right. Yeah. What's that got to do with your right? What's that got to right. do with your public work? <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's uh, it's so like, you know, I, I, you know, I. I was enamored with the thought leader industrial complex and being an author and being seen. I lost a lot of important things along the way. And and some of it was for my betterment, you know, relationships that didn't work out, not just talking about my wife, but a lot of friendships and, and collegial relationships and intellectual relationships. Cause I had to make room for new creative relationships. You know, um, the problem yeah. is with, with social media is that you're doing it all while everyone's watching. And so it's very ungraceful. You know, it's, it's, and, and I have decided just not to be fucking graceful. And so I have decided that you are going to get 
who I am and it's not going to be pretty sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be great. Sometimes it's going to be a real person. Um, but I also, um, I think as an artist have really learned to delay things. Like I don't have to post a thing as soon as it happens. I can wait a couple of weeks. I right, don't, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, like I, I'm in a weird period now because I'm selling a book over the next like week or two. Right. You got to go right, out and be yeah, like, yeah. Ah, remember me? Yeah. Or my people, yep. people exist, you know, that you're a creature out in the wild. But, but also I think there is this, this, um, I think people really appreciate when you are, when you're as, 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 uh, when, you, when you practice candor, because I don't want to say honesty. Because, you know, honesty without love is brutality, right? I could tell you things about people on this podcast that would get you lots of fucking listens, but it's not kind, right? Like Cat Williams did. Right. Like, it's not kind, right? And there's lots of people on our little scene, like, that we, that we, that we both know, right? It's just not cool. And I think, I think there is, people appreciate candor more than they appreciate honesty, and they appreciate what they think is authenticity. Um... But I, 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 there, there's just a price for it. There really is. There's a social price. Um, there's been a price to my career. Mm-hmm. Um, things that, that maybe, you know, the world shouldn't know about me. They do know whether I like it or not. Right. Um, you know, I remember mm-hmm. going out, going dating for the first time since I've been writing. And several people I dated were just like, well, fuck listening to them. I'll just buy their memoir and listen to the audio book. And that's weird that people <laughs> can do that kind of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, also sure. enough people did it that like I was like, oh, I guess that is something that people would do if they cared about someone they wanted to learn about them. They would listen to them in their mm-hmm. own words describe their life. Anyway, I'm rambling. But yeah, it's it's it's, no, no, it's, it's... a strange time we're in as artists, I think. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's all that's all part of it. Like, you know, how you how you present yourself and like, you know, I, I'm, I'm also neurodiverse. So like, you know, like how I I think it's different for people that how, you know, everybody actually, regardless of whether you're neurotypical or diverse, like we all, I, we all assume that we approach these tools and platforms in the same way. And that's just not true. That's like, you know, like we bring so many different approaches to it. And like what works yeah. for you might not work for somebody else. Uh, but the thing that's rough is like a lot of a lot of creative creative type work is reliant on these tools in a way that that they shouldn't have to be, but they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we you know. Uh, so I mean, we could talk about that forever. But I want to yeah. I I, I want to bring it back to your book for just a little bit longer. Uh, because uh at one point at one point you say um that you're more hopeless than you've been before but there is hope hidden throughout the book there's there's pride there's vision that sort of thing um and like you you tap in to um in in the chapter about one mic you tap in to um the power of art to sort of move people as well as this sort of as well as this 
condemnation of really the powers that be. Uh, and so you write, if you're attempting to resuscitate the dream, wipe the dust off and make it progressive, you're only perpetuating empire. I don't want any part of the macabre dance to restore the decadent palace of the American dream to its former glory. I'm here to rob the safe. Um, so like in that, I, you, I see that, that, that hope sort of, even though it's, it's, it's not in line with the type of success that you see in the other, in the other, uh, chapters, as far as like made in America, that sort of thing. It's still this movement forward. So I'm not trying to, to, to make you say something hopeful. <laughs> that was actually something yeah. we did talk about beforehand (laughs) but i do want to i do want to acknowledge that it's there that it's that even though it's like you don't you don't deny the world you see out your out out your window but yeah you also find find the beauty in it yeah i talk about all revolution takes in that chapter is a fine tuesday which has always been my theory my theory is for revolution, we really don't need big political teaching, although teaching will be a huge part of it. Um, and I don't really think that there needs to be a shot fired. I think that if we build systems of mutual aid together, uh, togetherness, um, that it'll just be a Tuesday, just a normal Tuesday. Like when it all falls, you've already been working on a local food co op, you and your local. Neighbors have bought all the land around you and adjusted the rent for people who couldn't afford it, who were part of your community. You've already been doing community defense. You've already set up a free clinic. You've already created spiritual space. You've created artistic space. You're pooling your resources and you're kind of headed in the same direction. So that way, when it all falls, it's just another Tuesday to you. And yeah, you're not going to Starbucks because they support genocide, but you are going to go down to the local shop that your buddy had shut up and he's been roasting his beans for a while, right? And he has like a decent supply until you figure out what's next. You are going to go to the local uh, EMT or a local doctor who's going to do some family medicine in the area. You are going to go to the food clinic. You are going to turn to the community defense team because they're going to be able to find the person who actually took your piece of property you really don't care about you're scared because you got violated and really kind of help that person get back on the path that's like life giving for them because they're part of the community too and like it's 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 this idea that if we build it we won't have to fight for it they might Mm. try and come take it but we won't have to fight for it at first and so um I do have hope in that. I'm, I'm here to rob the safe. I think after that, I say I'm here to take the, the fixtures out of Washington's bones. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I want Washington's fucking wooden teeth. I don't want to hang that shit on my fucking mantle. Like, like as much as I have respect for, you know, I just wrote an article on my Substack in defense of democracy where I talk about the importance of constitutional principles and the right to self-organization. These are indigenous ideas. These are not the ideas of the Enlightenment. This is the indigenous critique upon what they experienced when they saw the European uh, colonialists first come to the Americas. You know, this idea of sovereignty, of uh, the ability to participate in, in public debate um, about issues, and that whoever has the most compelling argument um, is the one who wins, not by force. Um, that everyone has this sort of baseline communism where if I just sort of take care of you, 
and take care of your needs, the rest of the community does well. These are all indigenous ideas, all presented by the uh, to to early colonialists when they first experienced it. Um, is 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 with the eastern tribes and the woodlands and the eastern woodlands of the Americas, and you know, in the late seventeenth century and the early eighteenth century, it sparks the enlightenment of them trying Rousseau and others trying to answer the inhumanity that that, that European life is. And so these, these, these principles are worth dying for, um, even if America dies, right? Like, America can go, mm-hmm. but democracy can live on. And I think democracy is something that's worth talking about. I mean, we're having a time where people are relating democracy to a two-party system where if they ever read the Federalist Papers, that's the first mistake Madison says, don't do. Don't create a two-party system because eventually all the property owners are going to join one and fuck everyone. I mean, it's not how Madison says it, but that's basically what he says, you know. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I think there is hope here. I think there is a dream to be had about the right to self-organize, the right to bodily autonomy, the right to self-movement, and the right to have certain baseline needs met um, that are part of what we call democracy. And it is democracy of the Americas, but it's it's it's. And when I say that, I mean indigenous intellectuals. Um, and by intellectual, I mean anyone who spent their time thinking about great big ideas and arguing it with anyone. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of hope in here. Uh, it's not just me saying that the industry's trash, that, that hip-hop didn't change the world. Um, I think hip-hop changed the world. I think it shook the world. I think without hip-hop mm-hmm. music, we wouldn't have been prepared for Ferguson. I think without uh, without us being part of the Western culture that is uh, proliferating around the world, um, black people might be in a much more dangerous place. Um, very similar to where we were in the sixties, where we were unsure if they were just going to put us on a ship and ship us the hell out of here, put us in one state together, and not allow us to interact with the rest of the country. So um, I think in that way, Black art has been the best ambassador for Black freedom and Black liberation. Um, and, 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 and has made the case for revolution in when we couldn't, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great book, a great addition to your own bibliography, uh, Lenny. Thanks. So I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, um. There's this quote uh, from E.B. White. He says uh, that a book is a sneeze, and I, I think you've got allergies. Because <laughs> I do. Because you, <laughs> because you, uh, you know, this is your fourth one, and whether or not you do another one, um, this was this was a really a really good read, um, really good exposure to your your thoughts about um, about hip hop, what it meant to you, um, and engaging it in this this really novel way. Um, so I just want to thank you for coming on and talking to me about it for a little while. Um, where can people find I'm the fine. book? Any uh, uh, Anything else you want to plug? The, the, again, the title of the book is Psalms of My People, A Story of Black Liberation as Told by Hip Hop. Yeah, so so uh, I'll be in L.A. at St. Mark's Church if this runs before next Tuesday. I don't know. Um, on Martin Luther King Day. 
uh, I'll be in Houston uh, doing a book event, and uh, I'm mostly just doing open mics. So it's not me reading from the book or talking about the book. It's like mostly just me hosting an open mic, and like maybe I'll read a poem. Oh, nice. And, yeah. So I really want to hope. I really want to hear your work. I really want to hear other people's art. I I, I want to experience that. I, I really want to stay to stay true to the premise that only the poets uh, know the truth about us. And musicians, and by poets, uh, Baldwin means all artists. Uh, but yeah, LennyDuncan.com. You can get a link to uh, the book. Uh, it's available everywhere. Um, there, if you look on my Instagram at Lenny A. Duncan, you could see all the different bookshops. Uh, there's one on the West Coast, there's one in the South, and there's one I think I'm about to announce on the East Coast that wants to do a book event that are either Black owned or queer owned or uh, brown owned or indigenous owned. Um, it is an indigenous artist who does all the uh, artwork in the book, um, who I'm really, uh, just really, really uh, grateful uh, for uh, Nizalani uh, Samu. Uh, Richard Tapp did the cover design, but uh, 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 Nizalani uh, Samu did the, uh, did a, a lot of the work on the interior. I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, but yeah, those are some. That's 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 about it. I'm kind of you know putting my head down. I'm teaching a class at GTU, a People's History of Magic. If you want to uh, take some uh, <laughs> continuing education courses and learn about magic um, and mysticism, and that's nice. about it, man. You know, keeping my head down awesome. and, and doing some work. You know, good, good. Well, Ian, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining me today. Appreciate you. And that will do it for this episode of The Good Books. If you want to drop me a line, you can do that over at contact at exvangelicalpodcast.com. And please leave a rating for this show over on Apple, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Talk soon. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.